Indeed, I am ready for Buckeye Bombast with Bellhaven and the Boy. Are you having another Bellhaven tonight? No, um, your mom and I went to Cooper's Hawk. Oh, fancy. And we did a wine tasting, so I am having some more wine because I figured beer, after all of that wine, would probably not be a good thing. <laughs> probably not. So I am drinking, uh, I think it's called Paxis Red Blend 2013. It's oh, fancy. Pretty good. Well, let's jump into it. I, I think there were two things that uh, make sense for today. Uh, number one being Chase Young. Yep. Talking about that, that whole rigmarole. Mm-hmm. And then I think the second, obviously, um, the weekly look at the top 25 matchups, the intriguing ones coming this week. So first and foremost, Chase Young. <laughs> what, what were your thoughts when you uh, heard about this? Morning? My thoughts are someone's out to get the Buckeyes. I mean, <laughs> what, okay. I mean look, why, why would, you know, you suddenly bring this up now? So the, from what I've read and what I've seen, he, uh, you know, had a took a loan, which before he even came in as a freshman, mm-hmm. and then uh, he paid it off. But this was all last year, and so he had three years to pay it off. He paid off this loan. I think the big thing we don't know is if whether it, it was from an actual, you know, uh, booster, something affiliated with Ohio State, someone affiliated with the NFL, or if it was just actually, a, you know, a family friend with no. Uh, NCAA affiliation, uh, but still, I, why, why is this coming up now? I, if if yeah. every, if everything pans out, I mean, if it, if it's just truly a small incident, I, I've seen a couple other incidents. I forget the guy's name at Kentucky, uh, but he only had a game taken away that wasn't a big deal. It's a minor infraction, and so if it truly is a minor infraction, it, it shouldn't amount to you know more than a game or two, which is fine. Right. But I guess the question is, if it is truly a bigger deal, you know, how 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 long is it going to be? Yeah, I, I think a couple of things. You know, um, I mean, you're kind of talking into a conspiracy theory that somebody must have <laughs> brought this out. Uh, Jake Stoneburner, I uh, don't know if you remember Jake Stoneburner. Yeah, he was a uh, tight end, tight end for Ohio State. He's been tweeting. Uh, he's been implicating Harbaugh. Is, is the one that did this, that uh, <laughs> brought attention to this. Uh, I don't know how true that is. Um, yeah, it does feel a little weird, right? Because it comes right after they were ranked number one, right after they spent about two weeks just hyping up Chase Young as a Heisman Trophy candidate, you know? Right. And, and to be quite honest, I think, because I've heard the, the hype before for defensive players, and, uh, and and a lot of times it was warranted. They were very good defensive players, but this was really the first time where I kind of had a feeling, you know what, they they might actually uh, talk this into something. You know, he was already being listed as the number two behind Joe Burrow uh, right now. You don't know what he's going to do, but yeah, if he were to have come out against Maryland, had another four or five sack game, um, that's almost unprecedented, you know, uh, yeah. for any the lineman to come out two weeks in a row and have four to five sacks. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that I've never heard of it before. Um, so it's, you know, he was getting the hype and Maryland and Rutgers would have been great uh, games to get a lot of activity for him. And then of course, a couple of big games against um, Penn State Michigan coming up to, to shine as well. I mean, there were a lot of opportunities in front of him, and he was already number two on some people's list to be a uh, Heisman Trophy winner or, or for the Heisman Trophy. Which So, yeah, it, it is really weird that um, it just seems weird that it comes right now. The best person on the team, ranked number one. So I've heard a lot of conspiracy theories out there. Um, that was the big one, right? Uh, Jake Stoneburner uh, tweeting right. around that uh, he thinks Harbaugh did this. I don't know. Um, I don't know so much. The the thing that I kind of come back to is I'm not surprised. 
you know, I, I don't, I don't, um, I don't think that Ohio State's alone. I think all of these big schools, and I'm not even just talking about the blue bloods like Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. I think it goes all the way down to your Vanderbilts and Indianas of the world. I think they all, they, they, this is the highest pressure sport, frankly, in the world. You know, even higher pressure than, than NFL because NFL is a business. You go in, you make your money, you play, and it is a business, so there's pressure there, but this is like a business, but it's not. You know, you've got schools like Ohio State that make hundreds of millions of dollars by the football program so they can fund all of the sports, you know, within the university. And there are very few universities like Ohio State that actually operate in, in the positive, right? Many of these universities right. want to fund millions and millions of dollars for their athletics, and they, they operate in the red, you know? Um College athletics, and in particular college football and basketball, extremely high pressure. And to think that it's just Ohio State or Clemson or Alabama, I think it's insane. I, I think that there are players for Northwestern. And, and I don't know this. You know, we are putting this out as a podcast, so I don't know this. I don't have any information. I'm not implicating anybody. I'm surmising that this happens everywhere. And I believe that even at places like Northwestern, you know, a highly academic institution, there are boosters out there probably giving golden handshakes to some of these kids. Right. Right. I, I don't doubt that at all. I'm, I'm sure. I mean, just like I mentioned earlier, uh, there, I believe the incident was last year at Kentucky. Um, I think there was an incident in Alabama with Haha Clinton Dix. I'll have to read back into that. But I mean, there's there's examples that have come out that really, you know, haven't really like surfaced hard, but have been minor infractions and really haven't amount, amounted to anything. And so I I do agree. I think it happens all over the place. Well, that's another narrative that I've seen out there, and particularly on Ohio State fan boards. Um, you know, this feeling that. You know, the SEC always does crap like this, and they always get away with it. Uh, you know, Ohio State, uh, the perception from the fan base is they just seem to kowtow to anything, you know. Uh, where some of these schools like North Carolina, like Ole Miss, these these teams have been under intense scrutiny for um, really major NCAA violations, much bigger than this thing that has happened with Chase Young. Oh, yeah, for sure. Nothing's, nothing's ever happened to them. And the, the the idea is, well, the SEC, they just say, screw you, NCAA, we're not going to listen to you. Um, whereas Ohio State, just like with the Jim Trestle thing, uh, they self-imposed this uh, bowl ban that they probably didn't need to do, you know, uh, ended up getting rid of their coach, things like that. You know, the idea, the perception is, is that you know, Ohio State tends to bend over and, and take it from the NCAA. And, you know, the fear is, is that this seems to be something that's really not that big of a deal. And, you know, the uh, idiots uh, that are in the top brass at Ohio State will bend over and take something they don't need to take. This really doesn't seem like a big deal at all. And, and so I guess we'll see when we find out more information. But as you mentioned, there are a lot more programs that have done a lot worse. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as for me, you know, the only thing there are rules, whether they're good or not, you know, I caught wind of this very, very early in the morning when I got up, you know, just after I had my um, Bible time, I had pull up the ozone and already somebody posts out there. Uh, person XYZ is saying that something's about to go down. And then you had all of these people speculating what it might be. And then little pieces of information started to trickle in. And um, the very first thing that I heard was that, oh, Chase Young has decided, like uh, Bosa, that um, he's gonna, he doesn't want to play the rest of the year. He wants to just prepare for the NFL. And at this point, I'm thinking, that is a big crock. That is, yeah. you know, I, I started thinking the worst things about Chase Young if he were to do that. But then I kind of, very quickly thought, no, this guy is on a mission. You know, he's been on a mission. That's not the thing, right? So 
more information starts to trickle in, blah, blah, blah. And then it becomes clear, hey, something um, happened where he took money last year, uh, et cetera. Um, I think the thing for me was not so much, you know, what the real event was. I kept thinking about very early when I thought that it was the first thing, right? That, that Chase has decided not to play. I, then I, and then I kind of figured that wasn't the case. It just got me to thinking, well, they can probably lose Chase Young because you and I have talked before. The person they can't lose is Justin Fields. Right. Um, if they lose Chase Young, theoretically, for the rest of the year, they can still get it done. Uh, they can still win a national championship. They've got a very deep defensive line, right? So I, that that was the big thing for me. Well, okay, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know all the facts. Could be very minor. Could be bigger. I don't know. I'm not going to speculate beyond it until we know more. For me, it is how does it impact the team? Thankfully, next two weeks doesn't impact us at all. Um, Maryland, we don't need Chase Young to beat Maryland. And like we've said before, we don't even need half the team <laughs> to go in and beat Rutgers. Um, yep. I, I think those will be good games to build up and, and go ahead and play Penn State in Michigan with or without Chase Young. Yeah, I agree with that. And it, I believe Jonathan Cooper is going to be out again along with Chase Young. But we do have a lot of good guys at defensive line, especially, you know, Zach Harrison, who's a five-star recruit and has already played a good amount of snaps already. And so I, I'm sure he'll probably get a start. If not, he'll be seen a lot in the first quarter. And uh, yeah. so that'll be awesome to, to have, to have him in there, see him more. Um, you know, we still got a good, some good D linemen in Togiai and, and Landers. And so, you know, I think they'll be just fine. The key, you have Togiai, Landers, uh, Devon Hamilton. You have all of these guys clung up the middle. They don't go anywhere. They're still there. And they've recruited extremely well on the defensive end. Yeah, it hurts to have Chase Young not in there. But, yeah, um, they've got so many strong defensive ends that they won't have a problem with these next two games. And, frankly, I, I think, you know, They'll mesh well enough to where um, Penn State to me is the big game. I, I Michigan, they seem to be, uh, in the words of Jim Harbaugh, hitting their stride. But if you watch their games, I, there, there's nothing about them that scares me. They're not going to run the football in Ohio State like they did against Notre Dame. I don't care who's on the defensive line. Um they really can't seem to come up with a consistent passing game for 60 minutes, so I'm not afraid of that. I'm not afraid of Michigan. Penn State worries me a little bit uh, because their offense isn't great, but it can be explosive. Uh, I think that's what they live and die by. And, um, you know, I think, you, you know, this defensive line should be good to go. They got Maryland. They got Rutgers. Uh, with or without Chase Young, they'll be ready for Penn State, and I think they should be okay. Yeah, I agree with that, and that's a good segue as you talk a little bit about Penn State, how yeah. they fare against Minnesota in a noon game at, well, technically 11 uh, at that yeah. time, which would be an interesting start in a, a cold environment. Yeah, yeah, so what, 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 do you, what are you thinking about it? Uh I don't know. I, I'm going back and forth. Uh, I think the thing that scares me the most is Minnesota hasn't played a top 50 team all year. Uh, they have dominated the past four games in the Big Ten, which is good to see, but uh, they don't have a great rushing attack. You know, only averaging 4.3 yards a carry. I think Minnesota really lives and dies by the pass. Uh, they have a decent wide receiver group, um, you know, and they've rallied behind their second-string quarterback, who has done pretty well. Uh, mm -hmm. And the, the other good thing, too, is they have a good uh, – when they're in the red zone, they have a high percentage of scoring touchdowns. So uh, it was funny. When I looked at the stats, 
you know, kind of like what you said, Penn State lives and dies kind of by explosive plays. Minnesota has given up more points a game. You know, they give they give up 20 compared to Penn State's eight. If you look at their production on both offense and defense, they are about the same on both offense and defense yards allowed. Like, they're just a couple yards off in both categories, and which is kind of interesting if you think about it. Um, yeah, I think my big takeaway is Penn State. If Minnesota can limit Hamler and they can keep that running game at bay, I mean, Penn State really doesn't have that, that much else. And so... Yeah. He, I don't. I honestly don't think this game is going to be a shootout, and if Minnesota can at least keep Penn State from scoring early and getting a large lead like they did against Michigan, uh, I think number one, that's a big key to keep Minnesota in the game. Two, even though they've been against terrible teams, Minnesota has shown that they can. You know, they can go down, they can have a big drive at the end of the game when it matters the most. And so, yeah, uh, I think those are at least two two big keys for me if Minnesota wants to win this game. Yes, I think for me, the two things are, first, exactly like you said, limit the explosive plays. Um, if I look back at the uh, Michigan game, and, and the reason I look at the Michigan game is two reasons. Number one, Penn State had Michigan at home. Um, and secondly, I think at that point, that was probably the toughest team Penn State had played. Uh, you know, despite Michigan, you know, having not looked very good against Wisconsin and whatnot, it was still a pretty, you know, their toughest game at, at that point. And it was at home. And Michigan did outgain them. Uh, and, and frankly, if you just looked at the statistics, and didn't know what the score was, you would have assumed that Michigan won the game. And the reason being that they didn't lose the game was because, uh, you know, very uh, timely explosive plays that the Penn State has. So, yes, I agree with you. I think, number one, Minnesota needs to limit those uh, explosive plays. I think, secondly, it is how can Minnesota control the uh, basically the offensive their offensive game plan uh they started out at the beginning of the year you know a pass heavy team they've kind of morphed into a more balanced team and can they maintain that balance right it's really going to be their offensive line against penn state's defensive line because aside from ohio state um penn state has the best probably the best defensive line in the conference and, you know, one of the best in the country. And so uh, to me, I think that's key. Number two, number one, take away those explosive plays from Penn state. Number two, can that offensive line for a team that seems to have established a balance uh, at this point in the year, can they maintain that balance against Penn state's um, defensive line? I think the third thing for me is just, it is an away game for Penn State. Um, I, you know, I've said before that you know Penn State, relative to other conference teams, they seem to be a little bit more even keel as to whether or not it's you know at home or away. Um, I, I think that I, I think though that you know yeah, 11 a.m. This is supposed to be cold and rainy. Uh, look at the forecast. They're supposed to have rain and snow. Now, I don't know at what point in the day these things are supposed to happen, but theoretically, they're supposed to have some rain and snow there. It's not going to be a, a great environment to play football in. Um, so I think that's going to be a third factor. It will weather, because uh, weather did play a factor, in my opinion, in the Michigan State-Penn State game. Um, it was It was ugly. Penn State um, did enough to win. Michigan State couldn't couldn't really do anything in that weather. Um, I, you know, I, I think it could be it could play a factor in this. 
Yeah, I think it could as well, especially, I mean, it's already going to be cold, especially if it's raining. That'll, uh, that's definitely not fun to play in, uh, especially yeah. for, for, uh, for a long game that, you know, that football is. Yeah, I, I agree with all those points. Um, and that's another thing I was going to mention too. Penn State's defensive line is, is really good. And that's another thing that worries me, kind of what I alluded to earlier. I don't, I, they have, Minnesota has become more balanced, yes. But I'm not confident in their run game, especially against Penn State's D-line. And so I believe, especially in that first half, they're going to have to control the clock. Even if they have uh, small you know, bits, chunks of yards, they're going to have to Get, they're going to have to get points on the board. They're going to have to take long mm-hmm. drives, and even if it's a field goal here and there before they finally get a touchdown, uh, they're going to have to put points on to put points on early. Otherwise, I fear, you know, Penn State may score, and then it'll just eventually get out of hand because Minnesota can't score anything. Yeah. So here's an interesting thing. I'm looking at them statistically. Do you know that Minnesota actually has a higher ranked offense? At this point in the season, the Penn State, uh, offensively, Minnesota is ranked 47th. Penn State is ranked 52nd. Um, defensively, it's it's similar as well. You know, um, Minnesota is ranked 13th. They have the 13th ranked defense, and uh, Penn really? State has the ninth ranked defense. Um, defensively, Penn State's Strength appears to be on the run, which makes sense, right? Like I said, they have a very strong defensive line. Um, Minnesota's defensive strength is on the passing, right? And so you go back to uh, to Hamler, right? Mm-hmm. It does seem like they match up pretty well in this regard. Their offenses seem to be the same. I, I think that uh, Minnesota's might be a bit more balanced, but it does intrigue me that um, – Minnesota appears to be better against the pass. Now, all of that being said, I think we all know, and I think that's what we talked about with the um, the rankings. You know, Minnesota really hasn't played anybody. They they really haven't. That being said, when you when you look at their overall um, offensive defensive comparison and their scores and average them out, there's not much difference between them and Penn State. When you look at common opponents. Penn State does appear to have uh, very close to what I would call that spread on how much they're favored in this game. Um, I, I think I, I'm saying all this because I'm, I'm kind of wavering here. I, I'm not Talking really sure who. To it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure who to pick here. I don't want to make the mistake that I made uh, early in the year. I picked Maryland to cover against Penn State, and man, was I wrong. Um, This is different. Uh, I think Minnesota, two things. Number one, that was so long ago, and I only had very little to go by. You know, here, it's eight games into the season. Yeah, Minnesota hasn't played a lot of teams, but they are getting much better, and offensively and defensively, they compare rather well uh, to Penn State. Um, I think the second thing is, is, Yes, Penn State has played a tougher schedule, but I will say that that's only slight, to be honest. If you really peel back the layers, there's really only one team that Penn State has played that uh, distinguishes their their schedule, and that's Michigan. Because if you look at the out-of-conference, they played uh, Idaho, and Minnesota played a tougher FCS team in South Dakota State, who I think is number two in in FCS. And uh, Pittsburgh, I will I will grant, is probably a tougher out of conference um, than what Minnesota played. But when you aggregate everything and look at the teams they've played, it's really only that Michigan game that separates Penn State in terms of strength of schedule, in my opinion, at this point. Uh, so I, I don't know that the, the schedule is that much tougher. Maybe Iowa. I, I think Iowa is probably another one to throw in there. So I don't think it's, it's not going to be like the Maryland game. I'm not going to be caught off guard and, and Penn State's going to go in there and blow them away 59 to nothing. Um, I, I'm just trying. I, I think Penn State's going to win this game. But 
I wouldn't be surprised, number one, if Minnesota wins. And I think what I'm really talking myself into is I think Minnesota, Minnesota likely covers the spread in this one. It's probably going to rely on Sean Clifford. You know, he has looked good at times, but he is a young, new starting quarterback. Uh, this is going to be a tough game for them. Um, can he handle it? I don't know. Maybe it comes down to Sean Clifford and how well, how composed he can be in this game. Yeah, uh, I mean, I agree with all that. Uh, I've just been thinking in my head, do I really think Minnesota's going to do it? And you know what? I'm going to go bold. Row the boat. Minnesota wins. Uh, There you go. (laughs) Every once in a while, you have to go bold, man. I think it's good. I think it's a good pick. I I mean, but look, just with what you said, I mean – because uh, I've been looking at the stats too, Minnesota really does match up pretty well against this Penn State team. I mean, just for all the reasons you stated, and that's what I've been kind of looking at as well. I think yeah. the fact it, it's it's a it's a home game for Minnesota. Um, they're already hyped up as it is. Uh, yeah. I mean, they they definitely got the coach for it. Uh, they're ready. I mean, there's no question they're they're ready for this game. I think Penn State will be too, but I don't think. Penn State's going to get out to an early lead like they normally do in big games. I think Minnesota's going to hang with them. It's going to be a, of a more punch-for-punch punch game. And when push comes to shove, I think Minnesota's going to be able to to have a long drive, especially near the end of the game. And I think they're, uh, they're going to win it by a field goal. All right. I like that. Okay. So what's next? Which one? You want to talk uh, the next big one yeah, uh, on the day? Um, let's talk uh, Iowa, Wisconsin. I think the big one, the big big one of the day is uh, LSU, Alabama, obviously. Right. Um, but before we get to that one, um, Iowa, Wisconsin. These are basically mirror images to me. Uh, yeah. they, they they tend to play a very similar style. And the way they play defense, you've got, you know, the running joke is, is, you know, an Ohio State coach can't seem to win coach of the year uh, because it always goes to Kirk Ferentz, <laughs> you know, at Iowa. And it is laughable in a way, right? Because, you know, Ryan Day, for example, let's just assume for a second that uh, Iowa, let's say that they come close to winning that West Division. And let's say that Ryan Day, takes Ohio State to the playoffs. Brian Day's probably not going to get the coach of the year. And frankly, maybe he should, you know, given the circumstances. Um, I, I'm saying all that because Wisconsin and Iowa, they're always awash with three-star recruits. They, they maybe get a, a four-star here and there. Rarely, if ever, do they get a five-star recruit. They have a system. They build from year to year. And they kind of Iowa more so than Wisconsin, but they kind of undulate like a wave, right? They really good one year, but then they kind of come, you know, they, they lose some of that experience and they have to build up for another year or so uh, to be formidable again. Right. So I see both of these teams being very similar in that way. And to do that, you really do have to have good coaching. You know, as much as I like to make fun of this, this quote unquote Kirk Ferentz Coach of the Year award that the Big Ten seems to have, Kirk Ferentz, Paul Christ, you know, I pick a team, Indiana, Illinois, Purdue, uh, Northwestern, right? They would all like to have, because none of them can recruit with the big boys, just like Wisconsin and Iowa cannot recruit with the big boys. Yet these coaches seem to be able to put a system in place where they can coach and get these the, these guys up, you know, every other year or so. And so I'm saying that because I'm going back to the fact that I think these are mirror images of one another. These are very similar teams to me. I just think Wisconsin's better. You know, I've said it in earlier episodes. Uh, Iowa, to me, was overhyped this year. There were a lot of um, analysts picking them to be, you know, one of the potential contenders to win that division. I don't see it. Yeah, they still have a chance. Um, but you know, they have to play Wisconsin here. They have to play Minnesota. They've already lost two games. And in those two losses, 
they looked ugly. I, they really did. And, and, yeah. and, and I think that's going to be the same here, right? This game is in Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin had a bye week. Wisconsin, frankly, is better than the team that lost Illinois. The team that lost to Ohio State is what it is. And I think the combination of the two has caused a lot of people to look down in Wisconsin and think, well, maybe they aren't what we thought they were. No, they are. They are a pretty good team. And I think it's going to prove out what I've been saying is that Iowa isn't the team that has been hyped up. They're going to go into Wisconsin, and I think Wisconsin is uh, the better team here. I think they're probably going to win by two touchdowns. They're favored by nine and a half, but I think they win bigger than that against Iowa. Yeah, and I, I pretty much agree with all that as well. I mean, when you think of Iowa, Iowa and Wisconsin, you think, you know, traditional Big Ten powerhouses, you know, big, meaty guys on the front line pushing people around, but not much speed, right? Uh, they don't have the speed on the edges. And so if you play a fast team, you know, they, they can get beat pretty easily. Um yeah, Wisconsin has a better rushing attack. Uh, Nate Stanley is there, but he's been super inconsistent this year. He can't throw the ball down the field to save his life. No. Uh, and you know, against Wisconsin, they their offense, you know, especially in the big games against you know decent defenses like Penn State and Michigan, they haven't been able to do anything at all. I mean, nothing. Right. And even against Iowa State. You know, they they had a few chunk plays here and there. They still didn't get that many points. It was still a low-scoring right. game. And so, yeah, I, I don't think this will be too much of a challenge for Wisconsin. I think it'll be like a 17-7 type of game. Um, you know, Iowa, be lucky to score a touchdown. Wisconsin uh, may not be able to, to score all that much, but they won't really have to. <laughs> yeah. I think. Um yeah, yeah I, I actually think that uh, this one, to me, feels like it might be similar to Wisconsin-Michigan. Uh, again, Wisconsin and Iowa both have a chance to win that division. And obviously, the head-to-head competition here it separates them, right? Wisconsin, and, and frankly, I find it kind of laughable, but you know, some of their players were saying after the Ohio State game that, oh, oh, uh, we can't wait to play these guys again. So they were assuming, number one, that they were going to be in the Big Ten Championship, and they were relishing the idea of getting to play Ohio State again. Before I go on, news to you, Wisconsin. Be careful what you wish for. Uh, Ohio State on that turf, inside that dome stadium in Indianapolis, are going to wax you just like they did 2014. You know, be careful what you wish for. The real point there is, though, is they have a sense of themselves. They know that they are likely one of the best teams in that division, if not the best. And I think they're they're on a mission to come out and prove that, and they'll prove it against Iowa. And I think it might be a a very similar game to Michigan game. Yeah, you you may be right. Um, I just don't know if they have... You know, they have a couple of good receivers. I just don't know if they have the passing game, you know, where they're going to really exploit Iowa secondary. Uh, and so I think it's going to be more of a low-scoring game. But, I mean, I think okay. Wisconsin, will, Wisconsin will still win pretty easily. Okay. Um, yeah, before we get to that big one, because, you know, LSU-Bama is the big one this week. There are a couple of others out here that intrigue me. Uh, one of those is Texas is favored by seven points over Kansas State. It is at Texas, but they are favored by seven points. Now, think about this. This is the Texas team that at home needed a last-second field goal to beat Kansas. Not Kansas State, but Kansas. And yet they are favored by seven over a ranked Kansas State team who just beat... Oklahoma two weeks ago, something Texas couldn't do. And frankly, I saw the Texas-Oklahoma game. Yes, there was a touchdown separation between them and the final score, but it wasn't that close. 
Oklahoma was the better team. It was clear they were the better team. And and frankly, Kansas State had to let Oklahoma back in their game. So what do you think about that one? Yeah, I was going to say a similar thing. I was really intrigued by that. I haven't looked at the depth chart yet. I don't know if, you know, how decimated Texas, Texas secondary still is. Uh, the bottom line, Texas, like Oklahoma, struggles, you know, with running quarterbacks. Skylar mm-hmm. Thompson is a pretty good running quarterback. He showed it against yes, Oklahoma. Yeah. And I think he's going to show it again against Texas. Uh, I, I think, think he did the very week uh, later against Kansas. I, I think he ran. Yeah, he did. He did not yeah. Kansas is Kansas, but still, I mean, he, it was a consistent thing. Right, and they handled Kansas pretty well. Uh, I think they're, you know, what they did against Oklahoma, if you remember, they controlled the ball. They had good sustained drives, and they ran the ball pretty well. And honestly, I think they're going to do the same thing. And the same thing that they did against Oklahoma, they're going to do against Texas. They're going to line up. They're going to run the ball, not only with the quarterback, with the running back as well. And I don't see them – I don't see Texas being able to stop them. And so – it, it really is strange to me that Texas is favored. Uh, maybe it's because, you know, Kansas State really hasn't been in this position in a long time. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think Kansas State wins this game. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, what I know is, is I do have my little mathematical formulas that I've convinced myself I need to do, <laughs> you know, when I, when I pick my, my teams. I, I will still do it for Kansas State, Texas to reassure myself, but I already went ahead and picked Kansas State in here. I cannot figure out how Texas is a seven-point favorite. That, that is a big spread for a team, frankly, who has looked pretty pathetic the past few weeks. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Uh, I, I'm trying to you know figure out a way that Texas wins this game. And the only thing I can think of is it's going to be a shootout, you know, another 50-48 type of game. But I don't think Kansas State's going to give up that many points to Texas, you know. No. Like, like, even though they gave up 41 to Oklahoma, I don't even think they may give up 41 to Texas. So I, I don't know. Right. Okay. Uh, another one I wanted to look at is uh, Oklahoma-Iowa State. Uh, Iowa State was uh, a team that, they're somewhat enigmatic. Um, they play tough, I think, each and every game. They just don't always come out on the positive end. Uh, it is a team that I, I, I kind of saw as the dark horse in the uh, Big 12 at the beginning of the year. I think they still have a chance, although an outside chance. Uh, but they are tough. They upset Oklahoma a couple of years ago. I think that was at home, though. This one is at Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma's coming off uh, a bye, right, after having lost to uh, Kansas State, I think. Um, I think the reason this intrigues me is because Iowa State is a fairly tough team. Uh, Big 12 is not known for defense. Uh, so Iowa State kind of stands out a little bit from the other Big 12 teams in that they kind of play defense. You know, they're at least known for that, I guess. So I, I think what intrigues me about this one is the fact that it is a 14-point spread for Oklahoma. And I haven't done my analysis on this one yet mathematically, but my initial gut reaction is I'm not sure that that should be a 14-point spread for Oklahoma. Because uh, I, I guess the upset to Kansas State could be one of two things, right? It was just a charmed day for Kansas State and great for them. Or was something exposed about Oklahoma um, that can be exploited by other teams? Part of me thinks it is the latter, right? I have said before that I don't think that Oklahoma's defense is all that improved over last year. I think it has improved a little bit with Grinch, but you know my feelings in Grinch. I don't think he's a great coach. Um, I don't know that uh, Oklahoma's defense is all that improved. I think they got exposed by Kansas State from a defensive perspective. 
and, and that's why I don't. I, I think Iowa State's going to cover this. I do think Oklahoma understands that they control their own destiny for the most part. They can still win this conference. They've only got one loss. They had a bye week. They had time to let it germinate in their minds. Uh, so I do think Oklahoma is going to win this game. I'm just not sure that they're going to cover that 14-point spread, though, against Iowa State. It's, it's a tough one I mean, for all the reasons you just stated. I'm trying to think, you know, what, what Iowa State has. They, they would – if Iowa State wins this game, it ha- they have to win it in a shootout, kind of like Kansas State did uh, because, yeah, their defense is all right. But do they have the offensive production? And Brock Purdy has been good for them. Uh, he's been consistent for them. I just, this year, I just, I just don't know. I don't know. I think Iowa State's defense is more mediocre. I think they may they may be able to give Oklahoma a game to where they cover, but I just, I just honestly cannot see them winning this game. Yeah, and like I said, I, I think Oklahoma is going to win it. I'm just, I, I guess I'm struggling with the uh, the 14 point spread. Um, yeah, I think Brock Purdy is a known name. Uh, I think he he got a lot of uh, a lot of positive hype last year. Uh, I don't know that he's performing to the expectation this year, uh, based off of how he played last year. But what I haven't seen enough, admittedly from Iowa State, I haven't seen them enough, so I don't know you know, how much of a running quarterback it is, right? Going back to your point about uh, Oklahoma struggling a little bit with, with running quarterbacks, I honestly uh, don't know. Is he a um, a good running quarterback or not? Is he going to give Oklahoma fits in that regard? From As I I've look seen, at there. Oh, yeah, so from, from what I've seen, he's I think he's more like Ellinger in the fact that He's a tough runner, and if he needs to, uh, he's good at, at running in those situations where he can pick up those first downs, especially you know, like those third and shorts or whatever. I just, I, I don't know if I remember, I don't think he is consistent like you know, a Skylar Thompson. He doesn't do it a lot, and so it's not as reliable, I think, for Iowa State. Yeah. All of that being said, though, do you realize that Iowa State has the 16th ranked offense? Do they really? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm looking it up now and comparing them. Their defenses are roughly the same in terms of rank. Oklahoma's is 31st, and um, Iowa State's is 33rd. So defensively, these are the these are similar in theory. Uh, but offensively, we already know about Oklahoma's. Uh, they're they're ranked first, and I don't think that's a surprise. Uh, but Iowa State's ranked 16th in terms of offense, and that does surprise me. I I, I really wouldn't have thought that uh, before I came and and looked at the uh, stats on them. Um, and to that point. Defensively, though, and I think this is where the difference might be. Defensively, yeah, they're very close to Oklahoma, but they're stronger against the run. And Oklahoma, offensively, it's really their pass offense that I think is their strongest. So I I think because of that, that's why I think Oklahoma is going to win, right? Because when you match up um, their strengths and their weaknesses, I think Oklahoma shines there um but yeah 16th ranked offense that surprised me i think they might be able to generate something against oklahoma because again i don't i i'm not i'm not sold on oklahoma's defense yeah i'm not i'm not either uh, and i agree completely with that i think that does surprise me and i think they will be able to generate some offense but at the end of the day they don't have the secondary to compete with Oklahoma's offense, uh, and Jalen Hurts has been uh, very consistent with C.D. Lamb. They've they've been uh, hitting, you know, on all cylinders throughout the entirety of the year, and so I I don't think that'll that'll stop anytime soon, especially in this game. So give me Oklahoma. Yeah. 
Okay. So anything else intrigue you before we jump into uh, Bama LSU? Uh, honestly, not really. I mean, I know Missouri plays Georgia, and I was thinking about that game a little bit, but that game's a home game for Georgia. And honestly, haven't watched Missouri all that much. I just know that they've been super inconsistent, and and so yeah. I, I I don't think you know there's really, they have really much of a chance. I don't know. You never know. Yeah, no, I, yeah, that one I, uh, and I think we've touched on it before. Uh, Missouri, when they're away from home, they are terrible. Uh, they lost to I think both. I'll have to look at it, but I think they lost to both Vanderbilt and Kentucky away from them. Get them at home, and they're great. And that's why I do think that they may um, surprise Florida when Florida goes to Missouri. But, yeah, at Georgia, I don't think Missouri has a chance. Yeah. Um, I think one that intrigues me, a couple of them, I don't want to spend a lot of time on them, but uh, number one, Notre Dame at Duke. Um, the only reason I want to spend a couple of minutes on this one is because you know, with the last episode, college football playoff rankings, I feel that Georgia is getting, um, you know, a benefit from Notre Dame. They've got Notre Dame ranked at 15. Like I said, I don't think they belong at 15. Georgia is uh, feeling the positive effects of that. I, this is at Duke. This is a Notre Dame team that struggled at home against a middling Virginia Tech team. Duke's not great, but neither was Virginia Tech. I don't think Notre Dame's all that good. They are favored by eight points over Duke. Uh, not only am I leaning, I haven't done the analysis on this one yet, but not only am I leaning towards picking Duke to cover, I got to be honest, I would not be surprised if Duke won this game. I don't think I would be all surprised. I might be a little surprised. Uh, I don't know if Duke has enough offense to beat Notre Dame, but, you know, Notre Dame hardly scored any against Michigan. Yeah. They only scored 21 against Virginia Tech. So if as long as Duke can do enough to keep themselves in the game, keep it a low-scoring game, I, I think – they do have a good chance. Right. I think uh, Duke, Pitt, North Carolina, I've already said, and you and I have both agreed, ACC is probably the worst Power Five conference. But where I will give them credit is these teams that I mentioned, Pitt, Duke, North Carolina, they have a way of every once in a while reminding you that they still play college football. You know, <laughs> out of the blue, you know, like last year, just as an example. Now, Northwestern is no juggernaut by any stretch of the imagination, but they won the Big Ten West last year. Duke manhandled Northwestern. Yeah. Pitt um, this year, you know, they'll go lose to somebody they shouldn't, but then they'll come within a breath of beating Penn State. Right, North Carolina. Uh, did they lose to Appalachian State? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they lost to Appalachian State. Yet they were within a two-point conversion of beating Clemson, and that's kind of my point. They're not a good conference, but what's really weird is these teams. They're like, you know what? Hey, we actually pay, play college football, and we're going to show you this week. <laughs> we're going to take the next three or four weeks off. But this week we're going to show you that, you know, hey, we play college football. Uh, and that, that's what I'm feeling with this game. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that with this game that, you know, this is one of those games where Duke comes in and says, yeah, yeah, no, we're Duke. Uh, but we're going to remind you that we play college football this week. And uh, it's going to be against Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they have a home game, and I'm, I do think Duke is better at home. Uh, honestly, I haven't seen all that much of Duke you know I did watch the uh, first three quarters of their first game against Alabama and you know they they're decent uh, and I think they have been all year decent at stopping the run uh, which will be a good uh, com, you know stop trying to stop Notre Dame but yeah because Notre Dame can't pass it, yeah and so God forbid they, it should rain in this game for Notre Dame <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. So if they can stop the run and force in, you know, in book to, to pass quite a bit. Yeah. They have, they have a good chance. So one other one I want to talk about, uh, Baylor TCU. Uh, the only reason being is, uh, TCU, not a great team, but they're, they're a good team, you know, and, and, and I say that and I'll kind of go back to something I've said prior, right? You know, we've gotten into a world where everything's really discreet. Either you're really, really good or you suck. You know, nobody wants to acknowledge that there are, you know, good, there, there's good that's right in the middle. Um, I think TC is right in the, TCU is right in the middle there. They are a, a decent team. This is at TCU. Baylor felt to me, uh, last week uh, in their narrow win over West Virginia, that they're starting to feel that pressure of, you know, we're actually a pretty good team, you know, and they're starting to think about it and they're starting to feel that pressure. So I, I think this one's an intriguing game to me because now they go to TCU again, not a great team, but not a bad team, right? They're a good team at home uh, that could possibly uh, give them uh, give them a run for their money, right? Baylor knows now that their destiny they they control their destiny. They are undefeated. You and I have talked on the last episode that, given their resume so far, they should probably be in the top ten. They yeah. should, you know, given what they've done. And that being said, they're at number eleven. They absolutely control their destiny. We already know that several teams in front of them are going to lose by default. Uh, they have Oklahoma coming up in their future. They beat them. They're still undefeated. They go and beat them again or whomever else, right, in that Big 12 championship. Everything lies in front of them. And last week against West Virginia, it kind of felt to me that they're starting to think about that in their heads. And so that's why I, I kind of picked this one, because to me, this is a watch out game. It, it's only a two-point spread. So... I don't know that I would pick TCU in this one, but I guess what I'm saying is watch out, right? I think they're starting to think about where they actually are, and this might be a tough game for them. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, it does intrigue me as well. Uh, TCU, you know, they got good receivers. TCU likes to throw throw the ball, especially you know, 50-50 balls. They have good receivers, especially to come down with those. They really should have against Texas. Um, I think they're going to try that again. Uh, and Baylor has been known to give up, especially in the passing game, some some deep balls. And yep. if they if they let up even a couple, you know, TCU is going to, if if not get down the field, they're going to score and score quickly. And so, it, uh, this game is either going to be. I think low scoring like it was last week for him against West Virginia, or it's going to be a, a shootout, you know, like high, high thirties type of game. Um, I just don't know if TCU's defense is good enough to, to hold Baylor. If they do get in a shootout you know, hold them when they need to. Uh, and so I, I think, I do think TCU does have a good chance, you know, for all the points you alluded to, but I, I think I still think I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Baylor, even on the road here. Um, so, are there any any others um, before we jump into? It, I I think we'll probably end with uh, LSU and Alabama, uh, yeah. but are there any others uh, that intrigue you before we do that? Uh, no, those are some good matchups, and we talked a while already, so let's uh, finish it up with. LSU, Alabama. All right. Very good. Uh, this one, I, I, you know, I'm not going in. First of all, I, I need to ask you, are you proud of me? I haven't done any SEC rants. <laughs> That's true. You haven't. I haven't. Well, and I'm not going to do it here. Well, what? Well, you somewhat did with. Uh, I guess with I did with Georgia a little <laughs> bit there. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> But um, uh, this one indeed is a big game. I mean, uh, you don't have to be an SEC fan to recognize that this one is a huge game. It uh, doesn't matter. This, this to me is a college football fan's game. You know, um, 
The only problem with this one is I think it's going to be on CBS and all. Is it? Is this one yeah. on CBS? Yeah, CBS yeah. at two thirty. Yeah, so unfortunately, I'll have to. If I want to watch any of it, I'll have to listen to Gary Daniels. <laughs> um, that being said, I, I, this one I I'm wavering back and forth. Um, similar teams, Bama ninth ranked offense, sixteenth ranked uh, defense. Uh, LSU, fourth-ranked offense, 23rd-ranked defense, which kind of surprised me because their defense doesn't feel like it's that strong to me. Um, but they are giving they are giving up less than 100 yards a game on uh, on rushing, which surprised me a little bit. Uh, but they are the 60th-ranked defense um, in terms of passing. They are 76 in rushing on offense. Uh, Bama, and, and, and I think the reason I'm bringing those up uh, in this way is this is almost strength against strength. Bama is not a great rushing team. They are 63rd in the country in rushing the ball. Uh, LSU is 13th in defending it. Uh, um, Alabama is fifth ranked in the country in passing the ball and LSU is 60th in defending it. And to me, I think that's where the difference is going to be. Now, on the flip side of that, LSU is second ranked in the country in passing the ball, but Alabama is 12th ranked in defending the pass. So to me, that's where the key lies it's a, the, the the strength of LSU is matched pretty well by the strength of of uh, Alabama from offense to defense but vice versa I, I think Alabama controls it a little bit better um, in their ability to possibly run the ball uh, even though it's not great should be a close game I do think that LSU has played the tougher schedule. I think they deserve to be higher ranked than Alabama right now. I, you know, I, I said on the last episode that I think Alabama should be even below Penn State, possibly even Clemson, to be honest with you. All of that being said, this is at Alabama, number one. Number two, it's similar to Ohio State-Michigan with me and that Ohio State just has Michigan's number. Last year, Michigan was a very strong team. Last year, going into that, if I'm a Michigan fan, I feel pretty good that this should be our year last year, right? And and they just get blown away. Uh, Similarly, and that was at Ohio State, right? Similarly, as an LSU fan going to Alabama, I'm feeling pretty good that this should be our year. And I'm just not sure. I, it, to me, it, it feels the same to me. It, it feels like LSU is about to run into a buzzsaw. And I don't think Alabama is – I think they're a top five team. I don't think they're a top three team. And, and the irony here is I think LSU at this point in the season is a top two team. I just think they're about to run into a buzzsaw. I, I think even if two is not there, I, part of me thinks that um, I'll put it this way. If Joe Burrow has an excellent game, maybe he is the Heisman trophy winner, right? I mean, this is his Heisman game, uh, but right now I'm thinking Alabama wins this game. Fair enough. Um and I've looking at a lot of that too. A little bit of pushback. Uh, two things. One, yeah, Alabama has had LSU's number the past eight years. And I've looked over those past eight years, and I said, you know, what's really been the difference? And last year, you know, LSU was hyped up to really thought, you know, they can win the game at home. Well, they had no offense. You know, right. they had had nowhere near the production of, on offense that they had that they have currently this year. And, you know, Alabama was able to run right through them. They only scored 29, but they still shut LSU out. That's kind of been the mark over the past you know, few years, especially LSU has a pretty good defense, but they don't have any offense. 
this year, really, neither team has an amazing defense. It's really high, no. two high-powered octane offenses going against one another. LSU's yeah. offense is remarkable this year. Not only, you know, the the running game isn't as good, but I, I've seen you know some bigger games and you know they've been able to run the ball at least pretty consistently with Edwards Alaire against you know Florida um, mm-hmm. against Auburn that he still had over a hundred rushing yards in both of those games, um, even if it didn't amount to you know a lot of touchdowns. Yep. Um, I think they will be able to run the ball on Alabama. Alabama does not have a great rushing defense. They still have a lot of young guys, especially at linebacker. And so I do think uh, LSU will be able to run the ball on Alabama. And to your point, I th- I think it will be – that's the main thing for me. It's going to be LSU's wide receiver group and Alabama's wide receiver group. That's where it's going to come down to. And normally I think, okay, you know, how much is the defense – especially for Alabama, how much are they going to limit LSU? This year, especially compared to other years, I don't think Alabama is going to be able to limit LSU very much. I truly think this is going to be a shootout game. I really do. And even though it was against Texas, they still went on the road. Texas was healthier then, and only the second game of the season. That was that game was a shootout, and LSU. I mean, they just kept smacking them in the mouth. I mean, Joe they Burrow. Did. Joe Burrow was throwing great passes, and he's been that consistent all year. Yeah. And against the secondary, there's nothing that tells me that he won't be against this year because Alabama does not have the defensive line production to be able to get the same amount of pressure as they have, as especially last year. But, you know, consistently they've been able to get pressure against LSU in previous years. I don't know that they'll be able to get that same amount of pressure to limit Joe Burrow this year. And so I truly think this game will be a shootout. Um, Yeah. And in terms of who wins, it's tough for me to pick LSU because of that. You know, Alabama's just had their number. But... Honestly, I'm looking at all the factors, and even though you know Tua will play, and I think you yeah, know, he's play. gonna he's gonna get his, and I don't think LSU is gonna be able to truly do all that much to stop Alabama. But if this game gets into a shootout, you know, especially anytime Alabama faces an offense with a pulse, especially over the past couple of years, they tend to play away from their game plan. I mean, you saw it against Clemson last year in the national championship. Um, you know, they, they played tough for first quarter, but Clemson still kept hitting them. And Alabama, yep. you know, would run different plays, try these different things, and they just couldn't do anything. Yeah. Uh, if, if that happens, and Ellis, you know, you have a 17-17 game, you know, throughout the first quarter and a half, I I don't know. I think that's going to rattle Alabama, and I think that favors LSU at that point to yeah. kind to kind of run away with the game. And so, I'm not saying it'll happen this game, but everything, especially statistics, you know, just how team the teams have been playing this year. It sounds to me like what you're trying to do is talk yourself into LSU. I and I am, and that's what I was getting yeah. to. Everything points to it this year, and I'm right. looking through past years. I I think this year truly does point to LSU winning, and I I'm gonna go bold again. Today's my bold day, I guess. I'm gonna pick LSU well, you, hey, to be I'll... Alabama in a shootout. Good, good. Yeah, the only thing I I will say um, any more about this game is you know the interesting thing about this is with respect to the college football playoffs. Um, I've heard talk during the week, and I kind of feel this way myself, that, uh, you know, if LSU loses this game, they it's not going to hurt them as much as if it hurts Alabama, right? If we take uh, the uh, committee, you know, at face value, so to speak, for this first week's rankings, 
they're kind of saying that, uh, hey, Alabama, yeah, you are Alabama. We're putting you in the top three, but hey, uh, you're not far from Clemson, and we've punished Clemson. And so I think the, the collective thinking right now is that if Alabama loses this, they could be out of the picture. If LSU loses this, uh, they may be okay. Uh, so as a fan, especially as a fan of Ohio State, who now has to worry about Chase Young, uh, part of me is kind of rooting for uh, Bama to win this one, strangely enough, you know, in, in that scenario. But Yeah, and I can see that. But yeah, I agree with that uh, synopsis. And it'll be, it'll be interesting uh, to see, especially if Alabama does lose, where, uh, where they would be pushed back to. Yeah. But it's a good weekend. It's a good weekend. Uh, this is this late in the year, as they said. Uh, two 8-0 teams squaring off. Two undefeated teams. Uh, this late in the year squaring off against each other. Almost unheard of. Uh, so yeah, it's, and it's be, the first time. It's the first time the AP poll era. Yeah. Which so I think goes cool. back to the 30s, right? Yeah, 36, I think. Yeah. So... Uh, that is pretty cool. So it's going to be a good weekend. We've got our Buckeyes. It doesn't matter who they're playing. That's always fun. And then we've got this game. We've got Penn State, Minnesota. Uh, it's going to be a good weekend. Yes, it will. 